Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to our evening worship service. It's a delight to welcome everybody to the Activity Center this evening on a beautiful Sunday summer night. It is uh, Father's Day, and so happy Father's Day to all the fathers who are out there. Happy uh, Father's Day to uh, everyone. Um, one thing that unites us all is that we all have a father. Um, so we are grateful for our dads. We're grateful for their influence in our lives. And uh, we're grateful for all those who are celebrating with uh, children or grandchildren today. So happy Father's Day. Welcome to this service. If you're watching us online, welcome to this service as well. We're delighted that you have joined us for this evening worship service, our blended worship service. And uh, we, you can always find the bulletin online under the resources tab and under that tab where you go uh, on the website to find this service, you'll find our bulletin. You can follow along with the music and with the words there and with the scriptures in just a little while. And you can register your attendance with us with the online friendship pad. It's also there on our website. You can click on that, note your attendance with us. You can do that if you're worshiping with us in here tonight by going over and signing the yellow pads uh, on your way out. Um, or you can use the, uh, the QR code that's there on your bulletin, the little square, and that will uh, also show you how to register on your phone, and you can uh, participate and uh, let us know of your participation here. And we're always delighted to see visitors who uh, sign our friendship pad and let us know that they're worshiping with us. That's always great to have them and, and think about them and get to know them and talk to them uh, the week after they sign the friendship pad. So please do all of that. Uh, friends, we um, announced this morning, and so we'll follow up that announcement with an announcement this evening about a change that's coming to us in our church staff with uh, Anna White and her family's relocation to Middle Tennessee at the end of July, that her husband Jeff, as many people know, is a uh, pilot for Southwest Airlines, and he has an opportunity up there in the Nashville area flying out of that airport, and so we are so grateful for Anna's uh, six years of work with us in our children's department, and I know that you'll want to wish her well and wish her family well. She's still going to be around with us, even working remotely uh, from the Nashville area as she helps us in this transition, and she'll be coming back and forth, making sure certain events that she's been planning and working on will uh, still be pulled off with uh, great flair, and so um, we do mark that transition, and we wanted folks to know about that so that you can contact her and let her know yourself about all of your gratitude for her work here at GPC. Uh, those are all of our announcements. Oh, one more. I forgot this one. We do want to let folks know about the uh, memorial service for Betty McCallan that will be in here next Saturday morning. We'll have a visitation in the Welcome Center that starts at 10, and then we'll come in here for Betty's memorial service at 11 o'clock. She passed away several weeks ago. And they've got family coming in from out of town, and so we plan that service and look forward to celebrating her life and celebrating her faith next Saturday morning, visitation at 10 and a service at 11 in here. Those are all of our announcements. Now let us open our service in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come before you this evening, and as the sun warms this room and radiates light into this room, we pray that you would radiate love into uh, all the rooms of our lives and into our hearts. Lord, we are grateful for this gift of faith that you have given to each one of us, and we pray that as we worship tonight, your Holy Spirit would inspire us, that everything we do, everything we say, everything we sing, and everything we pray might be done for your honor and glory. It is in Christ's name that we pray, amen. 
See, there we go. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Um, I invite you to stand if you're able to sing with us. This first song is called Ever Be. And this song has beautiful imagery. You know, it beautifully describes who God is. So let's worship through these words and melodies together. Your praise will 
ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. I invite y'all to sing the second song called Cornerstone. And as many of you probably already know, um, the cornerstone was the most important part of um, a building. It uh, was the foundation for how the rest of the building was going to be built. And so um, in Isaiah 28, 16 through 17, um, they're referring to Jesus as the cornerstone. And it says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, 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 (laughs) a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the the plumb line. So in this song, we're singing Christ alone is the cornerstone, the most important part of our life, that the foundation of how we live. So I invite y'all to sing with us.
Thank you. As we get settled in to listen to our scriptures, uh, I will remind you of one of the great uh, biblical principles of worship. When the early church used to get together and worship, not only did they uh, read scriptures and sing hymns and praise, but they also ate together. They broke bread together. So one of the nice, uh, very much newer, the last uh, week or two or so, uh, sort of spontaneous grassroots efforts that's come out of our Sunday night worship service is that some folks are going over to Casablanca to eat together, just a stone's throw um, right down the road. And so I think that's happening together. I think Mike's sort of uh, working on that tonight. So if after this service you want to go eat at Casablanca, then, um, then uh, head on over and let's do that. And uh, I, we talked to the band about this. Some, other, some folks were talking about this. They said, you know what, we need to show our praise team a little love and thanks. And so if you're on the praise team, and you go over to eat, then it's Mike's treat. <clears throat> um, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's actually the church's treat, but Mike's got the credit card. So if you want to go, I don't mean people will gather out here or walk over, or just walk over on your own, and we'll get a few tables and enjoy a little fellowship together and the breaking bread and, uh, and especially thankful for all that our praise team does for us and I uh, hope some of those folks can make it. So that'll be a recurring thing maybe each week, a little bit spontaneous and, uh, and a little bit fun as well. So um, before we read our scripture lesson, let's come to, before God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for this night. And uh, as we come again to read scripture, we oft, always pray for your Holy Spirit to be our guide. Lord, um, under our own power, these are words on a page, but under your power and by your Spirit, this is your voice speaking to us, and so we pray that you would speak to us now through this lesson that we read. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, this is one of the great stories of the Old Testament. It's one of my favorites. It's probably one of the stories I learned earliest as, uh, as a young boy, as a child in the church. Maybe you heard this story early on as well. It's the story of David and Goliath. What a great story, and so we're actually going to pick it up about halfway through it uh, is comprised of this whole chapter of 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to pick it up at verse 32 because that's where the real action starts. Go back and read the first part of it because that's got, uh, got some really intriguing elements to it as well. Um, David's oldest brother is angry at him and says, you're just here because you're so vain. 
um, and uh, all kinds of really fascinating human interest elements happen in the first part. But let's pick up at verse 32 where the action begins. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight this Philistine. You're only a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He said to Saul, I I cannot go in these. I'm not used to these. So he took them off. Then he took his own staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over, saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David then said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistines to to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And then the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off the head with the sword, and the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, and they turned and ran. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Grab this water. There's a New Testament lesson in there. I invite you to take that home and read that as well. It talks about lots of afflictions that went on in the New Testament church and how they faced all kinds of obstacles, and I would even say Goliaths in their day and age, and how they triumphed by God's help and by God's power. 
So we're continuing our sermon series this week, and it's entitled God at Work. And we have been looking at these little vignettes of Saul's life and Samuel's life and David's life, looking at how God is working through people like them, as flawed as they were, as faithful as they were, sometimes as problematic as they were. Nevertheless, God was at work. God was continually at work in their lives. And we come today to this great story of David and Goliath. It is one that we learn early on. It resonates with almost all of us because what's one of the first things that you learn as a child? That there's always a bully on the playground. There's always a bully on the playground. I remember the one at my elementary school whose name was Greg. His last name shall remain nameless because I think he's still around here in the greater Memphis area. I have no idea. Um, but he was so much physically bigger than anybody else in the second or third grade. Now, on the playground, when I went to elementary school, there was one piece of equipment that I remember above all else, and we, were, we called it the spinner. It was this large piece of metal with handles on it, about 15 feet in diameter across, and it was just like a big top. It was a spinner, and you held onto the handles while all of your friends spun it around as fast as possible until you either got off or threw up, one or the other. And every day, Greg would go out there, and he would take control and command of that spinner, and he would dare anybody to get on there with him. And he said, and I'm not coming off until you throw me off. And there'd be three or four or five of us trying to spin him as fast as possible but he was physically imposing, and he wouldn't let anybody else play with his playground equipment. It's not just in the playground, of course. Um, we all know this as we grow up. There are Goliaths in every stage and in every age of life. There just are. We know this first Goliath, of course, from this story, this great story from 1 Samuel 17, this giant that the boy, David, still a young boy, faced, this giant who was not only physically overwhelming, but he was psychologically overwhelming. You can see the depiction that's there on the, the front cover of your bulletin, and you can see the, some of the dimensions there. You gain a sense of his girth from that bulletin cover. He was just frighteningly tall. He was scary big. I mean, super scary strong. I don't know if you've ever been anywhere near some of the Grizzlies players um, other, you know, football players, other stars. Um, if y'all want to move, you can. You're not going to offend me if you stand up and move out of the sunlight. We got these two windows blocked. We're going to block those as well. Either that or you're going to give me red as a beat in just about 20 minutes. <coughs> yes, sir. <coughs> um, if you've ever been around any of those great athletes, especially those NBA players. I've been in the, I've never really talked to a Grizzly face to face, but I've been in some close proximity with them occasionally. An NBA center in this day and age is going to be at least 700 pounds and it, seven, seven, seven feet tall. And they're going to seem like they're 700 pounds, 250, 60, 70 pounds. Um, they're going to be so large. An NBA center, seven feet tall, 250 pounds, would be Goliath's little brother. I mean, he was massive. He was so strong. His armor weighed about 125 pounds. His spear, it says, was like a weaver's beam. And then the tip of the spear itself weighed over 15 pounds. I mean, more than a shot put. Just the tip 
of that spear. The Philistines, it's laid out in the earlier part of this chapter, they are camped on one hillside over here. There's this great valley in between them, and the Israelites are camped out over here. Every day, Goliath came out, and he just wore the Israelites out. He taunted them, he mocked them, psychologically overwhelming them. Send out your best soldier to fight me. If he wins, then we surrender and we die. But if I win, then you die. Every day, twice a day, he, he said that. Now, I can just envision Saul, the king, the commander, uh, with all those Israelite troops lined up, and Saul says, okay, who wants to go out today and fight Goliath? And all the troops step back, step back a little more. Nobody would be crazy to go in battle against Goliath. He mocks them. He mocks God every day, twice a day. They are reduced to this psychological puddle due to his incredible um, taunting and his mocking. There's a phrase in here that's uh, used several times in the Bible, and you see it in this reading, you see it in several places, and it's the phrase to lose heart. To lose heart. It's literally translated <clears throat> where your heart dries up and withers away. It falls like a leaf. I don't know if you've ever been so intimidated in front of somebody that you just sort of shrivel up and you feel like blowing away because you're so scared of that situation. Some of y'all may remember, I've shared with you before, that I used to wrestle in high school. Yes, I wore that outfit, and yes, I had the headgear on, and I would wrestle in high school, and I had to gain weight to get up to the 167-pound weight class. And it seemed like everybody that I wrestled weighed at least maybe 400 pounds, but really they would weigh about 195 or 200 pounds under normal circumstances. And how they lost that much water weight and how they lost much that, weight, that much weight to get down to 167 pounds is an absolute miracle, but they did. <clears throat> and I can remember several times standing there in the little circle and your foot's on a line and the referee is giving you all sort of those pre-match rules. And these guys who weighed 200 pounds normally would just look at me and laugh. <laughs> and laugh. And I thought, well, that's a good sign because the ones who laughed typically had mercy on me. And they would pin me and it would be relatively over, you know, relatively soon. It's the ones who didn't laugh and who looked at me and I knew that their goal was not only to win but to inflict as much pain on me as possible in the, in the process of their winning. He would never had any mercy at all. Those are the ones in front of whom I lost heart. Felt like withering away and blowing away before they could do their damage. But the referee would blow his whistle, and it was usually downhill from there. Goliaths are everywhere. Goliaths are everywhere. And for most of us, it's natural to lose heart. You sort of lose your nerve. You lose your confidence. You lose a sense of who you are. You might be a great student. You could be an incredible professional in whatever your occupation is. You can be successful. You can have a great heart. But suddenly when Goliath comes, when that Goliath walks into your life, you lose your identity. You dry up and you sort of wither away. Goliath might be a 400-pound high school bully. Goliath might be disguised as one of the mean girls. You remember that movie that came out with Lindsay Lohan about, 50, about 15 years ago? 
Mean Girls. The reason it resonated with so many girls is that that is a situation every day. It resonates because some of the world's most intimidating bullies are 16 years old and they wear lipstick and heels in the high school hallway. I have three daughters. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about, as does another father of three girls. Your Goliath might be in the corporate hallway because there is always somebody in your places of work, hopefully not here, but in a lot of places of work, somebody trying to use his or her authority to intimidate others to get what he or she wants. A few years ago, a church member shared with me um, how her boss in her workplace um, was there at one of the bigger companies in town. And she knew that he was veering into a very unethical realm, even illegal realm, with a product that they were trying to uh, bring to the market. And he was not only cutting regulatory corners, but just secretly just sort of smashing through them and lying on all the forms about it. And he knew that she knew what he was doing. And he was determined to make her lose heart. Maybe your Goliath is like that. Maybe it's somebody in the high school hallway. Maybe it's somebody in the corporate hallway. Maybe it's a person. It might not be a person, though. A Goliath for you might be a behavior. And for a lot of people, it's an addiction. One byproduct of the pandemic that I've been reading so much lately about is what the isolation has done to increase depression and addictions. It's increased across the board. The whole social distancing and isolating has been terrible for people's psyches. We're self-medicating now more than ever. And then again, I've mentioned this before, but the widespread legalization of gambling is creating Goliaths of gaming debts. It's an addiction that's stalking people's marriages and families. You know, and I always think about it, if there was ever a Goliath for us as a church to stand up to, it's a sense of hopelessness that so many people feel when they go spiraling down into addictions. This notion that your problems are so in, in, insurmountable or this notion that your, your life is so boring or so meaningless that the only viable escape is through getting high. But we're seeing it more and more. So it might be an abusive person. Goliath might be a behavior like an addiction. The other main Goliath that comes walking into people's lives so often is some kind of diagnosis. And that just happens. This Goliath strolls into your life in a doctor's office through scan results. So your Goliath might be a person, it might be a problem, it might be a pain that threatens to overwhelm you and make you lose your trust in God. I'll just say that again. A Goliath is any person, problem, or pain that threatens to overwhelm you and make you lose your trust in God. Now, for a lot of times, and of course, uh, not always with a diagnosis, but with a people, person, or a problem, there's often evil or sin involved in one way or another. Like Goliath, defying God, taunting those Israelites, there's sometimes there's evil involved with that person, problem, or pain that threatens to overwhelm you and make you lose your trust in God. So what do we see about David in here? as he goes to fight his Goliath. What do we learn from this lesson? It's just this incredible story. One of the things we learn is that God had been preparing David to face Goliath 
before he even realized it. God had been working in his life and working in his heart to prepare him to fight Goliath, and David never knew it at the time. And I think that God is preparing you for your Goliath, or whatever that may be, God is preparing me, that God prepares us beforehand without us even knowing it. I mean, think about David. He was the shepherd over the family's flocks. As a result, he faced all kinds of obstacles. He was always on the lookout for predators. And those predators would come on sometimes despite his vigilance. And some sheep-eating carnivore would come and snatch a sheep in its jaws and drag it off. And David talks about fighting a bear and a lion. And he says that his task was first to go strike the lion or strike the bear. So when he did that, it would shock the bear and the bear would drop the sheep and the sheep would run off. And then David says, and then when it turned on me, (laughs) that it wasn't over just when it let go of the sheep, it would turn on him. Been thinking a lot about bears, especially since last summer, when uh, some bears came to uh, eat all of the trash from our trash bin in the house at Montreat. They were raiding our trash box um, in these boxes that are allegedly bear-proof. They're made out of steel, they're embedded in concrete, and they have a release on them that you push that's in you can open up the handle to keep the bears out of the trash. But one very ingenious bear discovered how to lean against the release on our bear box and then open it up And the bags of trash for two nights in a row were just strewn 50 yards down the street after all of that delicacy that they enjoyed. So I put a lock on it, and then I got a game camera, which is an infrared sensing camera that you can put. And I, I got pictures of anything that walked along the street during that night. And one of the pictures was of the cutest little bear cub, a little black bear, just this adorable little ball of fur. The next picture was of its mama. And mama, this picture, is standing on her hind legs, her hind quarters, and standing fully up next to that bear box, trying to open it. And she is standing there, and she is impressive. (laughs) can't imagine David facing down a bear. I did go the next day to measure myself with the relation of that picture, and that bear box comes up to about me, there on me, and the box came up to about there on the bear, fully standing. She was way over six feet tall. can't imagine David facing a bear like that. And I don't see anybody in here, although I think Forrest is uh, in our sound booth, in our booth over there. I just want to say at this point, if you're going to Montreat this summer, like some people's grandchildren are and daughters are, I just want to say at this moment that those black bears in western North Carolina are very shy and they run away from people all the time. They are as scared as, of your teenager as you are, so they will be perfectly safe and then do not have to worry about those bears. But I cannot imagine David facing a bear in the wild, but God all the while was preparing him in those battles for the battle of his life. And so also is God right now preparing you to face your Goliath. It's a spiritual battle. It's a psychological battle. 
battle? How is God preparing you? Well, when we come to church week after week, when we worship, when we engage in Bible study, when we study God's will, when we ask hard questions, when we sharpen each other, as Scripture says, like iron sharpening iron, we do this because one day Goliath will come to you and to me, and what we do week in and week out in our life of faith is God's way of preparing us for that battle. God is giving you the weapons of faith that you need when you come to church and when you worship and when you study Scripture and when you pray with other Christians. There's this great imagery in Ephesians 6, and Paul writes this. He says, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted and ready. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray. When and where does God give you this armor and this protection and this faith? And when does God teach you how to pray? Right here with all these people around you in a family of faith in a church. That is where God is preparing us week after week after week for that day when Goliath walks into our lives. I'll just state the obvious, and you've already probably gone there. It's sort of from the opposite angle of what I just said, but I'll state it anyway, that if you aren't doing these things, if you aren't staying in the Word regularly, if you aren't praying, if you aren't, um, <clears throat> and if you keep sort of thinking, maybe next year I'll join that Bible study, or next year start going to Sunday school, I'll be obedient but just not right now, like Augustine said. If you're saying that, how can God prepare you to fight against Goliath? You won't be ready, and Goliath will not have mercy on you. But God is giving you the right tools right here and right now. God is giving you the armor. God is giving you this place, this church, which is like a fortress, this training place, this refuge, where you'll be prepared to go take down your Goliath. The other thing we learn very quickly from this story is that our strength in fighting Goliath is really not our strength, it's God's strength. You never have to face Goliath alone under your own power. I mean, think about when Goliath sees David. Goliath is, is livid. He is insulted. He mocks David even more. He threatens to dismantle David limb by limb and feed him to the vultures and to the beasts of the field. Then David says, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. The Hebrew there is Jehovah Savah. It means the Lord of hosts. It means the Lord of all creation. In other words, David is saying, I come against you in the name of the Lord God who made all creation the only sovereign God. He's expressing something we see in the New Testament where Paul writes, if God is for us, <clears throat> who can stand against us? If the maker of all creation marshals his power in our defense, what can any Goliath do? David says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. It is by faith that the Lord saves. So whoever or whatever your Goliath is, the same powerful God who made not only you, but who made everything, who made the 
stars in the sky, who made the deepest parts of the earth. That God shields you. And that God will defend you. That God will give you power and will give you the weapons of faith and give you the armor of salvation so that you will, you will run toward that Philistine like David did. You will move forward to face your Goliath. And because you trust in God like David did, God will give you the courage and the wisdom and the weapons you need to defeat your Goliath. I don't know what that Goliath is for you. Maybe it is a real person who is so intimidating that they want to make you lose your trust in God. Maybe it's a problem like an addiction, some kind of behavior, some kind of psychological problem that just devastates you and makes you question God. Maybe it's not that, but maybe it is a, a health diagnosis. Maybe you have received some news lately or somebody in your family has that just feels like a giant burden set against you. Whatever your Goliath may be, please know that in your faith, God is preparing you and has been preparing you to face that Goliath and that when you fight Goliath, you do not do so alone. That God is with you walking across that valley, shielding you and defending you every step of the way. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do ask that you would continue to prepare us as we worship. Lord, as we worship, Lord, instill faith in us. Give us this uh, breastplate of righteousness, Lord. Give us this belt of truth. Lord, wrap your goodness around us and give us the armor that we need so that we might indeed face that person, that pain, that problem that threatens to take us away from you. Lord, help us to fight these battles um, along with our other brothers and sisters. Lord, help us to be prepared for that day and that time. We thank you for all your goodness to us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to sing. Um, we're going to sing a song called uh, Sea of Victory. And it's, the song says, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. And it, it's tough. I have two family members in this season that are facing cancer and are battling cancer. And I so badly want to sing this song saying that you know, we're going to see a victory over cancer. But I've just been through too much life to know that sometimes that's not always reality. Um, but I appreciate what you said, Pastor Will, about a Goliath not necessarily being someone who kills you, though they may do that. Goliath is someone who makes you lose trust in God. As far as me and my family, cancer can win, but it cannot make us lose trust in God. Because we have already seen the victory the cross.
darkness falls upon me. Cause the God serve knows only how I try not. Take what the enemy meant 
Friends, at this time we do offer up words of gratitude and appreciation for people's generosity, and we know that uh, if you'd like to support the work of the church, you may certainly do so in a number of ways. There's an offering plate by the door as you leave, and you can make an offering in that, or you can go to the church website. There are ways to give electronically. Um, You can certainly mail in support as well, but we're always grateful for all the ways in which people support the work of the church. We'll dedicate that offering now as we also lift up prayers on behalf of our world. Let us pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening and we are grateful for all the ways in which you have been generous to us. And so now with this offering, we return just a portion of that generosity. Lord, your goodness to us inspires us to want to love and be good to others. And so we are grateful for that cycle, that cyclical nature of generosity and goodness. And so we respond and we give and we pray that our blessings may be a blessing to others. And Lord, we do lift up this world to you as we move into this summer and as we do think about all the ways in which we have been blessed. We are thankful for our fathers and for their influence on us. Lord, the ways in which they have loved us, in which they have raised us, in which they have disciplined us, in which they continue to support us. We pray, O God, for those who are fathers, that you would help uh, all of us to be the best fathers that we can be. And we pray, Lord, that um, we would also experience grace to know that any doubt or regret that we may have is washed over always by your grace. Lord, we do lift up our land to you. We lift up places in it where there is trauma, where there is heartache. We think about those people in those places, oh God, especially around the world where we have global partnerships in Mexico and Ghana. We think about them during this summer, and we pray especially that they would be uh, taken care of and that they might be able to ride through this wave of the pandemic that is facing them and bring them also to the other side through vaccinations and through governmental efforts and through Christian aid organizations. We pray for relief and goodness for them. Lord, we lift up every other place in the world where there is suffering or there is pain. We know that your spirit can prevail and that your way is always the way of peace. And we pray that you would hear us now, O God, As together we lift up our many voices, we lift them up into one voice, and we pray the prayer that Christ taught us. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
this. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I will wait on you. I will wait on you. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Sing that again. The Lord is. The Lord is my light and salvation. Shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Who shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? I will wait on you. I will We set our hope on 
love that word confidence. It means with faith, literally, that we will go with faith out into this world. We'll go to, with faith to love and serve the Lord, and we will go out with faith to love and serve our neighbors as yourself. Remember, friends, God is preparing you to face your Goliath each and every day. There is no person, problem, or pain that is larger than God's love in your life. So keep alert, stand firm, be courageous and strong, and let everything you do be done with love. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.
Costa Blanca after this? Are you going to go to Costa Blanca after this? 